Good evening. If you have your Bibles with you, would you turn to Exodus chapter 20? We'll be reading starting in verse 4. If you would read along with me. It says, You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that in the water or under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Now this is the second commandment, the second sermon, the second um, part of our Ten Commandments series. Um, This one is one that I struggled with when I began studying. I'll be honest with you guys. My view of this uh, commandment was really grown by studying it and reading it and trying to understand it better. See, for the longest time I thought, oh, don't have false idols, cool, and I didn't give any second thought to that because it seems pretty straightforward. That's what we learn it as, don't have false idols. Uh, Especially with growing up in church, there's an element of the Ten Commandments are just ingrained in your head. You know them and you don't think on them. You don't reflect on them. And I think it's really important to stop and take a step back and reflect and dive deeper into each of the commandments and understand what God is teaching us through these Ten Commandments. Why is this such a strong focal point of, of the Old Testament of, of, and what is its important in the New Testament for us as Christian believers in the church age? And so this is a really good series. I hope you guys learned a lot already just from uh, Josh's introduction and Drew's sermon uh, last week. And I hope that we continue to learn more and more and this grows our church. I have three points based on this, com- uh, this commandment. And the first one is that God demands all of our worship. When you look here at these words, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the, the water under the earth. You see, God is, is giving an instruction to Moses or to the people of Israel through Moses, do not make a carved image. Now, we don't really have an idea or a concept of carved images. At least I didn't when I, when I began um, studying and reading for this. But see, in the ancient Near East, with the Egyptians and the Mesopotamians and other um, polytheistic religions around, they would create these um, embodiments, these carved images, these idols, uh, whether it be a, a golden calf or a statue or some kind of reflection of their gods and their view and their belief was that their God resided within that image, within the image that they had created, that man had created this image and and part of God's power, part of God's spirit, part of God's nature actually resided in these. And of course they're worshiping false gods uh, as well. And so you see right here in verse 4, God is saying, do not create, do not create a false god. Do not make for yourself a carved image. Make nothing that reflects 
what is in the heaven above or in the earth or beneath the earth. And then the second part of this is verse 5. This is kind of a two-part commandment. He said, you have don't create carved image. Don't, don't make for yourself a carved image. And then do not bow to them. And those things are, are, are inseparably connected, right? The, 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 the idea behind this commandment is do not create the carved image and do not worship what man has created. Right? And see, all around in the culture uh, in, in the ancient Near East, they were creating these false gods. They were creating these idols, and they were worshiping them. Now, I think this is a really interesting commandment. They're all great, right? All the Ten Commandments, there's so many good things about all of them. But this one sticks out to me, and probably because it's the one that I've been studying on the past week. Um, but this one sticks out to me because I can't help in, but ignore what is blaringly obvious when I know what happens, like what happens when Moses comes down from the mountain. And perhaps you do too, if, if you're familiar with, with the story of Exodus. You know that Moses comes down from the mountain and that while Moses is receiving, up on the top of the mountain, receiving these 10 commandments, the Jewish people are down in the camp at the bottom of the mountain actively doing the very thing that God here is instructing them not to do. They are building for themselves a golden calf. They are building for themselves a, a false God, a carved image. They're making with their hands something that replaces God, something that they view uh, has the power of God. They are relying on the works of their own hands to create something that they can worship. I don't know about you guys, but I don't see a lot of golden calves today in the physical sense, right? I don't run into, I don't, I don't walk into people's house and, oh, what's that? Oh, that's my golden calf. It's God. I don't see that all that often. Not in, not in America, not in our context, not in Fairdale, Kentucky. Maybe it happens in small, more isolated communities or different places in parts of the world. Absolutely. Right? In fact, uh, I've, I've gotten the opportunity to go to Cuba a few times. Um, and in Cuba, they have a religion that's called Santeria. And, and Santeria is it's a, a, a syncretic religion, right? Which means that it's a, it's a blended of, it takes aspects of two religions and it, and it blends them together. And so what happened is in Cuba, the Spanish slave owners in the 1800s, would force their slaves to, they were the Catholics, the Spanish were Catholic, and they would force their slaves to only hold to the Catholic religion. But now these slaves coming over from, from Africa would bring their own traditional religion with them. But they could only actively, in the Spanish uh, colony, they could only practice legally Catholicism. And so what they did is they began to create their own blended religion where they would worship the statues of Mary. They would worship the statues and the cross of Jesus. But the cross of Jesus and the statue of Mary were representations of their gods that they brought from their traditional religion. And they, there's still people who practice this today. It's called Santeria. It's, it's, it's an active religion in, in Cuba 
And it's very interesting. Now, we don't have a lot of that here in, in, in Fairdale, Kentucky. But you know what we do have a lot of today in Fairdale, Kentucky? We do have a lot of idols. Right? Because an idol isn't exclusively something. Um, it's not exclusive to something that is, is made of gold and, and we worship. Right? That is the context in which this occurred when the Old Testament was written. Right? But it's not the, an exclusive um, nature of what an idol is. Right? Today's idols is anything that we've created, anything that's, um, that we've created to replace God, right? So idol, idol worship happens whenever we worship creation rather than the creator or when we, re- when we replace God with the work of our own hands. I see a lot of idols in an American society that worship is, worships your own work ethic, for instance, the work of your own hands. Right, something that is a good thing, right? Hard work is a good thing, we know this. But when it becomes the only thing or the primary thing or the thing that we rely upon, then it's become an idol. And an idol is just a misplaced priority. It's something that we've elevated above, above God. The reason God hates idols, the reason God despises idolatry is because he is a jealous God. Look here and it says this. It says, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And when we worship something that is created or something that, that we have created rather than worship God, then we have missed the point. We have put our heart's desire into something that will not satisfy us, into something that will not fulfill us, and we've instead put it in something that is empty, and something that falls short of God. We just sang this song um, a few minutes ago, right, that says, I've searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and the treasures that fade are never enough. That's not the deepest song that I've ever heard right? It's actually very simple, right? The, the, the words are very simple, but it's a very simple truth that there is nothing in this world outside of God that can fulfill our longing for a creator. I, idol worship comes from our longing to worship a creator, and we all have that. And we, when we worship something other than the one true God, when we create for ourselves a carved image, when we bow down to the, to the things of this world rather than God, we have misplaced our priority and we have worshiped creation rather than creator. We have missed the main point. We have missed the greatest thing, which is God and to worship God we have got our priorities all out of place. I think an example of this is uh, a few months ago, Tyson and I got the, the great opportunity to go to a Brazilian steakhouse, the one here on 4th Street Live. Highly recommend if anyone gets the chance. But before we went, I'd been to a Brazilian steakhouse before, 
and I love it. Huge fan. If you've never gone to a Brazilian steakhouse, you have to go. This is how it works. You pay one price, and you, they just keep bringing you steak. And until you say, stop bringing me steak, they keep bringing you steak. It is a great thing. Whoever invented this is a genius, all right? And I love it. But I told Tyson before he went, and he's here, he could vouch for this, that I, that I said this. I said, what they're going to do is they're going to bring you out a big, pl- a, pl- a big platter of mashed potatoes. And they're going to be good. They're going to be, you know, filled with heavy cream and garlic and a lot of great flavored mashed potatoes. But you don't want those. That's a trap, right? That's, that's, that's the restaurant trying to trick you into eating less steak, right? You don't, you're not here for the mashed potatoes. They're going to bring out dinner rolls, and they're going to be great. But you're not here for the dinner rolls. You don't want to, don't mess around with the dinner rolls. You didn't come here to eat bread. I came here to eat Brazilian steak cooked over a wood fire grill. That's why I'm here. That's the main show, right? Don't bother with the chicken. Don't bother with the sausage. You want, you came here for steak. Eat steak. That is the most important thing. Otherwise, you will get full eating bread, mashed potatoes, good, maybe even good things, but not the best thing, not the thing that you came here for. When we worship something of our own hands, even good things, work ethic is a good thing. Success moving up in, in moving up the, the corporate ladder is a good thing. As long as it's not out of priority. Because when those things become the main thing, then we are so focused on what is temporary, what is created, what is the works of our own hands that we miss worshiping the creator. And we have exchanged in our own hearts, in our own lives, in our own actions. We have missed the main point. We have missed what is most important. We have created an idol when we put anything above God. God is a jealous God. Now his jealousy is manifested in two ways. I think we see this in verse 5 and verse 6. The end of verse 5. Look here. It says... For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation to those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me. God's jealousy is displayed in his wrath and in his love. God's jealousy is displayed in his wrath against those who have broken this commandment who have hated him in their own hearts by creating false idols, by creating things that they have worshipped other than God, by relying on their own hands. God has shown his wrath through them, but God has shown his love to those who keep his commandments. That brings me to my second point. which is we pass down what we worship. I read through, as I was reading through, I noticed this is the only commandment of the 10 that that has mention of the generations. 
Notice that second part of verse 5. It says, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. Now, why is God passing on the iniquity of the fathers? Why is God passing on his wrath to the third and the fourth generation? And I believe that why he is doing that is because that idol worship is passed down. Right? We pass down what we worship. It is seen in our hearts and in our lives, the way we act is passed down to our children. We were having a conversation just just today, actually, um, about, uh, you know, someone asked, oh, uh, when you and Jess have kids, uh, are you going to teach it an instrument? You know, because you're both musical. And, you know, we kind of said, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how long. Um, and, and the person said, well, I feel like you don't even really have to, like, force them. You know, it's not like you're forcing them to, teach, to, to learn an instrument. I feel like they'll watch you guys, and they'll see you guys both doing it, and they'll just want to do it. Like, it, it'll come naturally to them. It wasn't an overwhelmingly profound statement, but as I was kind of preparing my final thoughts, I thought, hey, that's actually a really good way to put that. That children see what their parents are doing. They see what their parents are passionate about. And they, they take up those things. Right? I mean, if I could spend uh, the next hour and a half just reading through, if I were to compile all of the scriptures that talk about passing on the knowledge of God, passing on commandments to the next generation. Right? So a practical application for everybody in here. Is, is to model the commandments of God. To model it for your children. To model it for those around you because these things are passed on. People watch, people observe, people see, and they learn through that. We pass on what we worship. My third point here is don't worship an image. Worship the image. Colossians 1.15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Speaking of Christ. I think it's interesting here, the language you see. Do not create yourself a carved image. Comparing that with Colossians, speaking of Christ as the image. The firstborn of all creation. The image of the invisible God. Right? We don't worship, we don't need to worship any idols because we don't need a physical thing as a mediator between us and God. We have a mediator between us and God. That's the man, Jesus Christ. We don't have a need for an idol because we have the source of joy. I've mentioned earlier that all, all, all men have, propensi have a propensity towards idol worship, right? And it's that longing, that wanting to, to, to understand why we are here, what, we were, what are we created for? There has to be something bigger than all of this, right? We want something to worship. Everybody wants something 
to worship, to make sense of life. Christians and non-Christians in this room know that we don't need an idol because we have the source of that joy. We have the fulfillment of our heart's greatest desire, which is God and the work that God has done through his son, Jesus Christ. Talked about God's wrath and God's jealousy, God's anger. When Moses came down from the mountain, he saw the Israelites worshiping a false idol. God displayed his wrath against them. But even in that, there's a point where Moses urges God. Moses urges God to, to have, have mercy, to direct his wrath away from the people. When Christ enters the scene, he takes on the wrath of God. He takes on the wrath of God. And if an idol really does control our heart, it's something that controls our heart, that, 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 that our strongest desire seeks after. That's what an idol, if an idol is something that our strongest desire is seeking after, something that controls our heart. Well, if it really does have control of our heart, then how can we get away from that? How can we escape that pull? Now that this is only done through the gospel of Jesus Christ that has allowed us to overcome our sin. The deepest longings of our heart can only be fulfilled in Jesus. It's just like the song we sang. I've searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. But you know what can? When you survey all of creation, you won't find anything that is better than God. And so there's no idol that can be created that can stand against the one true God. He is a jealous God and he is passionate for his people. He desires to be worshiped, not because he needs it, but because he is worthy of it. And it is our response to worship him. And so when we worship God through our lives, we put him above all things. And when we put God above all things, the highest priority. You know, the word priority, we talk about priorities a lot. I've got all these, oh, these are my, these are my top priorities. Maybe, uh, you know, at the beginning of the, the year, you make kind of resolutions. And what are, what are my top priorities of things that I want to work on? You know, it wasn't until about the 1800s that we even started using the word priorities. We made a plural of that word. Up until that point, it was priority, one word, singular. There was no, before 1800, there really wasn't any uh, recorded use of, of a plural priorities because the priority was the, 
the thing, the one thing in your life that you put first. Take the word prior. What is comes first? So this this idea of what is first, not multiple things, not competing things, right? It's not God and success. It's not God and money. It's not God and my own my own pleasures. It's God then everything. God over everything. God is our priority because he, we put him, he should be the thing that is put first. And the only thing. Everything else should follow that and serve him and serve, work towards honoring him. And so go, go and work with a strong work ethic. But do so for the name of the Lord. And so the command to, to not make a false idol for yourself. And God's jealousy is because God is worthy to be praised and glorified. God is not competing for your heart. God, is the, God needs to be the king of your heart. You know, the Bible says you can't serve two masters. There's only one. So is God the king of your heart? Is God your, your savior, but is he also your Lord? Does he have a lordship over your life? Does your life honor God? Does it serve him? Or are you putting other things man-made things, things we've done by the work of our own hands, relying on the work of our own hands. Are we relying on earthly things or are we relying on God? See, Jesus and the cross bring a whole light to this commandment. That the, the invisible God is seen through Christ. It's worshiped through and that longing in our heart, that desire in our heart can be fulfilled through him. Let's pray. Dear God, we, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for this church, God. We pray that, that um, we would set our hearts to you, as you say in your word, that, that our hearts, we would set our hearts on on Christ, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, not on earthly things. I pray that we would no, put nothing in our life in front of you. We would worship you with the way we live, the way we talk, the way we think, the way we act. We serve to worship you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.